You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Welcome back to the Critical Commentary Watch Along Podcast, uh, recorded here on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations, uh, which is also where a lot of Riverdale is shot. Um, we are your hosts, Ryan and Chloe, Hello. and um, we're back into um, Horrorland. This time, happy. Yeah, we liked this one. I was satisfied. And not um, just because it was gay. <laughs> I mean, it helps. It helps. It helps. I'm biased. And, uh, but yeah, uh, I liked it. It was, um, this week was such a cohesive episode for me. It was so well well completed. It was all the plots tied together into one there was no scatteredness, which is something we get in the the Riverdale Ensemble quite a bit. Um, I liked it. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really cohesive episode as well, and I really enjoyed um, <clears throat> all the different things that the actors got to do. That I think that was the fun mm-hmm. thing for me. Like I have often thought that uh, the actor who plays Kevin Keller, Casey Cott, mm-hmm. kind of has that, like, NYPD cop look. And I, I remember thinking early in the series, like, oh, I wonder if he's going to end up a cop because mm-hmm. he kind of has that look that a lot of actors who play cops get cast as on mm-hmm. you know, on television. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought Cole Sprouse could kind of be cast as like a creepy, good-looking, skinny villain. And here he was, you know, mm-hmm. playing an unfortunate husband and... Lily Reinhardt had something kind of different to do, and of course, um, Madeline Petch had a ton to do. Yes, yes, yes. Um, oh, what a vehicle for her. What a delightful vehicle, um, seemingly custom-tailored to the fashion eras where mm-hmm. she could be most fantastic. Yeah, and interestingly, Archie still completely absent. I'm going to just take that as a point towards paternity leave. Yeah, I mean, we love to see it. We love paternity mm-hmm. leave. I, um, he comes back. I know that he's been on set. Yes, yes, I've... that's true. We have <laughs> seen, um, we have seen evidence. We'll get there. Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of willing to just jump in. Like, I really mm. liked, I liked a lot that in this in this episode, and be happy to talk about it as it comes up. But Same. I, th- I think the thing that excited me the most was mm. these references to kind of the '50s Archie comics look. Mm-hmm. That was fun. And uh, I thought the Crucible references were a little on the nose, but I liked them because I love that play and I thought it fit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think it's sort of important to point out that while we dealt with homophobia and... Uh, Segregation in Rufus passing. Uh, yeah, I, I was a little surprised of. not to hear a little more conversation about segregation. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the Jim Crow laws were a 20th century invention, I think, were mm-hmm. they not? So, but, I do, yeah. I, but I do know that many schools were um, were segregated, even in the North, um, mm. uh, in the 19th century. So I was a little surprised that didn't come up in the um, sequences with it that occurred in the 19th century, but, you know... Mm. It's possible that they did that for reasons that made sense to them. I don't know who was in the writer's room. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the way they approached um, matters of race and sexuality and the and historic discrimination by um, making us aware that this is a presence, that it's not an erased thing in their world. Mm, um, yeah. But at no point uh, anchoring strife to it. At no, um, you know, violence against Cheryl was all about 
this power struggle and this witchcraft, it, it incidentally, her sexuality was used as a small weapon. Um, I didn't feel I, that. I, I felt like her gender was certainly weaponized against her. Um, but I also, uh, before we jump in, I have, I have one kind of observation I wanted, I want to throw in, um, sure. framework wise. Uh, it really jumped for me that we had an era echoing the crucible mm -hmm. in some cases down to specific scenes and moments, like clearly, clearly derivative. Yeah. Uh, and then we had a, a whole storyline in the McCarthy era in, you know, in well... the, the second American witch hunt of literature. Sure. I mean, the the older stuff, like the witch hunt era predates mm -hmm. the era that we're seeing in this. Like, the witch hunt was like mid-17th century. We're seeing mid-19th. Yes. The, um, but what was interesting is the Crucible was written in the 50s as a response to the mm -hmm. to Red Panic, right? Yeah, or yeah. Or whatever the heck it was called, something like that. Yeah, it's not quite period. Mm -hmm. It's not quite mm -hmm. the Crucible period. You're right. But they, they definitely gaff scenes. And I, I felt... I definitely felt that um, that fairly clever tie into the contemporary magic realism Cheryl uh, story through line. Cheryl, yeah. Abigail, Rose, question mark. Um, I also uh, was, uh, this episode brought to mind um, a playwright, I think his name is Don, ne Don Negro? I believe we've both seen some oh, of his Don work. Oh, Don Negro. Don Negro, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, sort of a... I did a play of his in high school, I think. Intergenerational contemporary family horror. You'll be able to hear my cat digging in her kitty litter in the background. It's uh, Foley. Yeah. <laughs> Independent, uh, independently produced podcast. <laughs> Riverdale gang. Um, yeah, so that... Um, I Literally, I, I, I felt like it was, there was a real cool balance of the... the story beats mm -hmm. and, yeah. and eras and synergy. It was definitely a very, very, very cohesive episode, and it was awesome. Like, the everything, all the eras and the cuts really fit well together. And yeah. It was very, it was a satisfying episode, and all of the lines that I kind of made my tummy clench were very in-genre, and they fit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Like, lines that I, like, if... I had written them, I might rewrite. <laughs> or, um, no, that's not, that's kind of a snobby thing to say. That's not what I mean. Bits of challenging dialogue that didn't land perfectly for you? Um, dialogue that just was very, just very in genre. Like the mm. things I don't mm -hmm. like about this genre where there's a little bit more melodrama than is right, to my taste. Right, right. Um, really fit and were really in genre and really worked, I thought. I think, um, heightened speech styles and patterns is, um, is one of the more challenging techniques uh, for a lot of people to switch between genres. Um, mm. I know a, a lot of criticism of Squid Game um, dealt with the, the English characters near the end, um, oh. who uh, apparently spoke with a real me melodramatic, over-the-top caricature style. Um, but upon further analysis, that's very, very rooted in um, English representations in, in K-pop television. Um, right. And as a as a completely Korean production, they were doing an English for a Korean audience based on the tropes and genre norms that uh, you know, that those actors were already doing in other Korean language work, um, and then it becomes international, and that's that's something new to interpret. Um, I you know the barrier of language of uh, introducing someone to old uh, Catherine Hepburn or old. Um, uh, mm. uh, 
Jean Carrey? You think of Gene Cary Grant? Cary Grant. Oh, yeah. Well, Gene those, Kelly, Cary Grant. Those are interesting. Same thing. Those are interesting examples because uh, Cary Grant was English. Yeah. Um, and um, Catherine Hepburn has an accent that we don't really hear that much anymore that actually may not exist anymore. The transatlantic? It's, yeah, the transatlantic, yeah. like Bryn Moore, upstate New York, New England accent. My grandmother kind <laughs> of had it, but um, obviously you can hear me speaking. I don't have it. Um, and pe- people really talked like Catherine Hepburn, and I'm not sure how common that is anymore. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting to think of that being an impression that people outside of North America have of how white people in North America speak. Mm-hmm. These very stylized yeah. accents that, that indicate, in a lot of ways, where we are and what literature we're, we're referencing. Um, yeah. Okay. I had an interesting experience, yeah. just very quickly on that note. There's a, a Bollywood, well, it's actually not a Bollywood movie, a Hindi language movie that I, well, is it a Bollywood? I don't know if it's up to me to decide. doesn't matter. A Hindi language movie called Lagan. Mm-hmm. And uh, the premise of Lagan is uh, the English cantonment during the Raj uh, has challenged the local village mm-hmm. to a cricket match or vice versa. Yep, yep. And, and the stakes are if the village wins... Uh, they don't have to pay Lagan tax for three years. There's a drought. Mm-hmm. And they're worried that they're not going to be able to pay tax this year. And if the cantonment wins, the village has to pay triple tax for every year from now on or something like that. Good God. Yeah. What a horrifying colonial hunger game. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the English people in this movie are kind of just racism machines. Uh, uh, and... Um, What's fascinating about it as a North American viewer, or an English-speaking viewer, a white viewer, mm-hmm. is that there's like a split second where you're like, well, that's not really like we sound what we sound like. And then you're like, it doesn't matter because the <laughs> result is the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it really doesn't matter whether or not we sound accurate. Our mm. effect in, in the world, at yep. least in the context of these stories, is the same. <laughs> this is art and personas that have evolved from the echo of our horrors and atrocities and yeah. impact on the world. And that's, you know, you know, it's a thing. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a weird I'm, thing to face as a majority <laughs> uh, powerful cultural place. Bleh. Thing, yeah. Anyway. But it's great. Um, um, so I'm kind of curious to see Squid Game for this reason now. I'm kind of curious <laughs> about like K-pop representations of white people now and that's that's interesting to me we veered so far away from genre but it's all all about acceptable speech patterns and what the audience can take as natural or not um chloe can you do the honors i am honestly afraid of your computer i am afraid of all computers right now even my own uh it's under under repair (laughs) as one is okay reveal gang are you ready oh by the way before we get started yes um a listener emailed us. I've just forgotten his name, uh, their name. And um, we apparently for a while had been speaking about season six as if it was some sort of weird extension of season five. We didn't mean to. Sorry about that. Thank you for correcting us. Yeah. I appreciated the email. As we figured things out. Okay. Ready? Three. Oh, if you're ready to sync up your episode, we're going to Netflix Badoom shortly. Ready? Three, two, one. Ba-doom-ba. And the bad sound that anchors the beginning. I don't even know what it... I don't even know at this point. Um, okay. Uh, 
So we have our jacket framing story, mm-hmm. and it is much like any other, but um, truncated at the end. Um, like, he introduces us, but needs no wrap-up with it, which is interesting, in that I don't need to be told how these stories tie together morally and, and mythically, because they've clearly tied together. Yeah. It's interesting, we get to see a little more of the house than we normally do here. Like oh, this room yes. full of paintings. Oh, maybe we saw that, maybe we have seen that, but I feel like we, like that stained glass window, I don't remember. I don't remember us ever taking a nice little walking tour like that through mm-hmm. a, a stretch of Thornhill, and that really changes the shape of how you're viewing a place, too. Um, I was generally quite surprised and delighted by the, the big twist of this, that Cheryl is a hundred-year-old witch. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fun. Trapped in Thornhill for... That would also make me a slightly cruel teenager, I think, if I was, like, stuck between space and time. Yeah, I guess after a hundred years, it would be easy to forget that these humans are humans still. And be a bit of a yeah. jerk. This is a great look. Oh, yeah. The 50s looks are really fun. Yeah. yeah, I forget what year it is. This really heavy dresses this lovely this makeup stick thing oh my god i'm obsessed i hope it's it's a real vintage piece that they found somewhere well that's her in the modern era but i wonder if they all have it let's see if we get a little <laughs> shot of no i don't i think it's just cheryl not it's just a cool contemporary Poppy cheryl or... thing <sighs> who's this called abigail. abigail abigail blossom the 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 tale of the blossom witch yeah. the witch of thornhill I was very nearly an Abigail. Interesting. That was one of the names that was being floated. But I love this little, I don't know what to call it, the thing that you squeeze the perfume with on the perfume bottle. Right. It's like slightly crocheted me. I don't know. I like the <laughs> texture on it. I thought it was a great detail. I love that they gave mm-hmm. the set decorator or the art director or someone a little sort of front and center moment for the perfume bottle that he or she selected. Yes, and we spent... We spent so much loving time, uh, camera-wise, on um, on that set deck. I've, I really noticed the cinematography in this episode. Um, some quick, tight pull-ins, some mm-hmm. really extreme close-ups to as a cut. Um, there's some distinctive features of this episode and this story that we're telling. Yeah. Um, I like it. Um, I loved the business about the comet, too, actually. That really worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's Also, it's... Like it's, we it's um maybe a little bit of a red herring that you know the synergy of the three these three women's lives, and then it ultimately is just about well this is when we can do the thing now, um mm-hmm. and it's sort of this narratively satisfying through line, but ultimately that's not the magic of it. That's just that's our frame. Um, yeah. Briefly, briefly concerned for Nana Blossom, but turns out I needn't worry at all. Yeah, well, you were also concerned about Britta for a sec. You were oh, like, yes. oh, Britta's going to get, like, soul-swapped or something. Deep Havisham coming through. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. no, Nana Rose ends things, uh, at least in this form, not evil. Yes. Yes. I'm curious to, to see what Cheryl Roseanne Blossom is like. Oh, my gosh, yes. Like, does she just I... go back to being Cheryl, or what happens? And if we get... I, I assume we're going to get just an episode of her, uh, but again, I don't know what the New Year's going to be, if we're going to still be in Horrorland. Um, 
lovely way to reintegrate Tony back into the show after making her La Llorona. I I enjoyed uh, Tomathea. Tomasina. Tomasina. I think it's pronounced La Llorona. La Llorona. I think. Why? I think a double L is a yeah sound, but I could be wrong. Thank you. Um, not a Spanish is not my first language, but that's what I think. Tam Tam. <sighs> um. Brief worries for Tam Tam, <laughs> but it's good. Yes. She's actually just helping and encouraging, uh, as this nice little what mid-era feminist icon. She's fabulous, visually. Yeah, she is fabulous. She also distributes birth control, apparently. I mean, I, I don't believe those are ginger drops from her garden. I believe she fully, like, acquired horse estrogen and put it in some pills. <laughs> that that feels more on point to me. Yeah, horse um, estrogen, wow. Yeah, that's... Oh, is weird. that what's in birth? I've never been... I haven't been on the... Like, I obviously I use birth control, but I've mm-hmm. used not the pill. I, yeah, I can't speak to contemporary pharmacology, but uh, a great deal of historical production in, up through the 80s and 90s used um, horse estrogen. Well, yeah. I thank you, the horses, that allowed women to be liberated. <laughs> um, so we have a little bit of the heightened speech. We have a little bit of this, this heightened... Wretched affair, yes. Mm. Gothic? Could you call this gothic? Oh, yeah, I'm sure you could. Civil War era. Gothic. Civil War. Remind me. Business. Could, do you remember the year, the exact year they, they pinned us in with Abigail? It's 18 uh, something? No, I don't uh, remember. Yeah. Okay. The Georgian and Jacobian and all, bunch bunch of those king eras we can blur together. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely <laughs> civil. I mean, it might not actually be Civil War because they're not wearing the right skirts. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting post Civil War vibes. Like, very Mary Shelley. Mm hmm. And which, yeah, which kind of aligns the birth but, of sci-fi and horror. Yeah, but Fen Fogarty is in a Union uniform. Like a Union oh, Army but, uniform. But wasn't he at the Great War? He's the Western mm. Front. I think it's, I think this is 19th century. I, we should have looked at the year. Oh, yeah, well. too late now. We'll look at the year at the end. <laughs> it's yeah, beautiful. I think they would have had hoopier skirts if it was the... Actually, that's mm. not true. That might have been mostly a Southern thing because I, I noticed that in... Little Women, for example, mm. they have skirts like these as well as, um... That's just practically. But Riverdale's practical. Oops. Yeah. Colonial. Um, interesting that the first thing she does is step in and introduce science, um, to the children. When Cheryl yeah. fights her at first. This is, this um, is... We liked this twist. The... The... Yeah, I liked this dynamic. Because I think... The last time we saw Cheryl, but Mm -hmm. old Cheryl, Mm -hmm. witch hunted Cheryl. Yep. We um, we saw like a very independent feminist sort of free thinker type, Mm -hmm. and this version is much more like women shouldn't be learning these things initially. Yeah. She's clearly in touch with her sexuality. Like as soon as (laughs) Thomasina comes to the door, Abigail is like, "Mm "Hmm, are you married?" Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know. Mm Hmm. Um, yes, absolutely. It's, it's a bit of an origin story beat, uh, and it's not at all, like, a serial thing tied to the past, but it serves to really inform, uh, what they've given us already. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this progression of, of, of thought and ideals and different, different eras of, 
uh, thoughts on gender and power for women. It's a swell idea. Hmm. Um, this is a great dress, yeah. by the way, on the, on Cheryl. Oh, yeah. Or on Poppy. On Poppy. This fun, sort of slightly seductive, but also... Wait, wasn't that the missile? No. Alice the Moralizer. Alice is so Alice. I loved the, the almost like fanfic redux off-brand name characters, caricatures of, of the, their own their own roles. Like, I feel like they're, if this was Comedia, they'd be, they're wearing the same masks. They're all, you know, they're, Betty's wearing the same mask, the same character trope as she sort of is, mm. but she's Bitsy. Bitsy. Like, bitsy, Bitsy. We don't try to hide it. We point it out to mm. effect. Poppy seed blossom. Good gosh. Oh. Oh. I have to say, this, these, these actors look like they're having a real blast with this era of costuming. Yes, yes. And with these stakes and characters as well. Like, it's, you know, this isn't the first contained high-stakes story that we've got. Um, but they're really world-building rapidly and doing these little snippet versions of some some great big dramatic arcs. Um, I imagine a lot of them did a whole bunch of this type of play in theater school. Mm, this that's is possible. like these are genres that I think are heavily mined by uh, a lot of contemporary English text based training. Um, we do a lot of practice with a lot of period American accents, and um, I, it certainly burnt me out on the genre. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, but I really appreciated everything broken down to. Um, these big visual gifts and motifs and distinction between the eras. It's so clear where we are societally. Mm. Um, I loved the interrogation, I guess, or presentation of the role of witches in community. Yeah. Um, bridging into, into these contemporary ways, um, bridging into midwifery uh, and whatever it is Cheryl does now. Yeah. Yeah, this, um... This tension. Hey. Well, this also. Um, yeah, I. it is interesting, the... You know, people sharing mm-hmm. um, remedies and... This is a, I think this is, these actors have great chemistry, by the way. Yeah, they work, they work very well together on scene as antagonists, as meet-cute lovers here. Mm-hmm. Um, this, also, this blue sweater with this one button and this big collar. Oh, oh yes. It's, it's so, so great. It's so poly. It's so season one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet still somehow era. Um, little hints yeah. of Velma. But, oh, just the gorgeous coloration here. The brass. The brass and lit fire and warm. Yeah. It is a little bit like the fire flicker that we see sometimes in the, um, um, in, well, in Thornhill, but also in the Cooper home. Yeah. But it's not, it's not sinister. It's not like what's bubbling underneath the surface. It's like very warm, very sympathetic. Yeah. It's very comforting space. And we have a nice natural blue outdoor light that doesn't feel neon. That feels like moonlight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this feels... They do a fantastic job of, of setting a mood here um, uh, in in so many different 
components of, of this episode. That telescope mm-hmm. is so pretty and vintage or recreated from. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good scene. Lots of smooching. Lots of smooching in this episode. So throughout, I was never not you know aware of period appropriate views on sex or period period views on sexuality uh, yeah. and norms. But I I like how much we sat with the sweet intimate moments around that. Yes, um, I will say I'm always skeptical about so called period views on sexuality because. I sort of feel like queer people have just been being queer people for a very long time. Oh, yeah. And we're sort of stuck in this accordion of how much we have to try it, or hide it, rather. And um, depending on how tight or how um, smushed the accordion is, we are concealed or not concealed. Mm. So I I don't know. I, I uh, All of this felt very real to me. It mm-hmm. felt more real because it would be easier to hide something, I think, in the nineteenth century than it would be in the fifties, or even mm-hmm. even now it would be easier. It would be harder. There's an absence of shame in these stories. I think mm. that might be might be what I'm really thriving on in in this telling. Yeah. Um Yeah. My cat is uh trying to get comfy on Ryan's lap. It's exciting. I am a chair. And she is fuzzy. And, um, Constable Keller. Yeah. Kevin. Actually, all the dudes are awful here, and it's great. Like, yeah, the dudes are, like, uniformly unfortunate in this episode. Yeah, right through Dr. Curdle. Right down, too. Um, yeah, who isn't giving out birth control, which apparently was very hard to get if you weren't married. Still is. And, well... Rural Alberta. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um... And Plan B was not always available. Near. By choice. Um, yeah. Topaz. Yeah. That pinches at me as well. Is this kin of Tony's ancestors, potentially? Mm-hmm. Is the Topaz family also tied to the magic of Greendale? I I only wish they had the team and the artists involved to to dig into that heritage and story. Because I don't think they can world build much further than they have, but I love what it is. Oh, this is such a mm, heart-wrenching example and demonstration of abuse and control. Yeah. Violence. Again, I like really bought Cole Sprouse in this role as like a Mm-hmm. Like something about that shiny, like slicked back fifties mm-hmm. husband who's a creep. Like it really worked. I thought. I agree. And Very same much. with uh, Casey Cotton in that uh, in that suit where he's like in the hat where he's questioning uh, mm-hmm. the door. Hedge. Well, and at the door too. I yeah. Oh yes, and it's the G man. Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah, I feel like the actors really all got to do a lot of really fun stuff in this episode. I feel like, I mean, I've never, I've never done a ton of acting, but I, this feels like like juicy television, like fun in genre television to me mm-hmm. from an actor's mm-hmm. standpoint. I, I think. Yeah, there's yeah, there's so many fun offers of character. They're such big characters. 
They're such exaggerated bold characters, defined defined by a few moments, uh, and defined. You know, there's a little bit of a cloud atlas thing as well. Uh, like they're they define which era they are quite well, I think, in the way it's been divvied um, by actor allocation, I guess. Mm. Um, but they each get to play such a fun. Yeah, such a fun take. Like, I rather love Tony, the who escaped from murder and is just wants to teach and be an intellectual feminist. Yeah. Like, what's not to love? Yes, in this moment, I was worried for Britta. Britannia. Britannia. Oof. Well, she goes by Britta at Riverdale. Yes. I notice things. Yeah, I was definitely getting Miss Havisham worries here. Um, part of that is that we're uh, Charles Dickens and Gritta. Um, I think. <sighs> Excuse me. Poor Ryan is going Great to expectations. Um, the the old bitter shot in who um, tries to imbue her bitterness onto the next generation by training a young woman to hate men. As she to, to carry on her hate, basically oh, okay. this intergenerational pain story. Um, I quite like, with full judgment for everything the show is. South Park. They do a fantastic telling of Great Expectations once, in which Miss Havisham tries to transfer her soul essence into oh. these kidnapped children. Cool. Yeah. Weirdly, weirdly helpful in understanding that bit of Dickens. A little bit of Reggie. They each get to play just a bit. Um, I loved the the subtle variations in each era of Cheryl, each era of Abigail. Mm-hmm. Um, especially watching it again with the with the the view that she is the same person at each step, and um, the the little differences in in how she controls a room and exerts herself in each era, down to posture and fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, it's interesting that line she just said. Mm-hmm. Um, that like this. Ugh, it's so threatening. Blah. <laughs> um, uh, this thing she says about I'll never leave Thornhill. It's my home. And like her calmness <laughs> in prison. Like she knows she has to go back because she knows she's Abigail. Right. Right. It, she will be brought back. It's part of the curse. That also changes the stakes of going to prison just a spot I guess yeah although what would happen if she was cursed and forced to be away that might be bad anyway yeah union it's definitely a union uniform yeah anyway which makes sense if it was a confederate uniform be grey yes yeah but we're definitely not in great war era I don't think so let's see if there's a date on this letter Mm mm-hmm um, no. Alas. Dang it, that's why they teach us in, in elementary school to always date and model in the crush nah. from that now, right? It's all about historical record accuracy. Um, What a Wild Scheme by Vintage Fogarty. I wonder if this was real. Like, I wonder if, like, mm. people died in battle and men that knew them, not necessarily with, like, a... Not necessarily with evil intent, like 
mm-hmm. basically did this kind of thing. Like, oh, your brother said I should marry you just so that they had somewhere to go home to after the war. Oh, interesting. That like, didn't even occur to me. I, I was sitting in Suspiciousville right from the beginning um, that, uh, that it was a forgery. Um, it well, sounded sure a little happened. wild to me, but it didn't occur to me that, of course, if you have a very close person who that's your only way to ensure they're okay. Yeah. Well, I do also... So all men are more bedfellows, so... Yes. Well, I do also feel like probably in a world where women couldn't really inherit property in the same way as men. Mm-hmm. And mm. um, I do wonder if there were, like, dying men at the front who were like, hey, if you make it home, please marry my sister so that she has someone to look after her. Right, <laughs> you know, right. that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, women... There were only... There were so few situations where a woman could live independently in this period of American economy. Mm-hmm. Um, love just, this scene. I don't know much about inheritance. I know. I thought this was good. Also, her mm-hmm. order is fascinating to me. Um, <laughs> I, um... American inheritance law? I don't, I don't know much about inheritance law in the 19th century as concerns white women. I, don't, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. I've spent so much time digging into Jane Austen inheritance law that there's this big gap into this slightly yeah. more relevant, closer history. Yeah. Oh, the gaps in recent history are just a Canadian thing. Thought, really great menacing. Yeah, really good menacing. I also thought that this picture that this made, this sort of mm. night hockey tableau. Yes. With Madeleine Petch in the foreground and this family in the background with this kid on on the lap. I don't mm-hmm. know. It just like, it made like a really made a really good picture. It was lovely. It was really sad. It was like a sad picture. That shot especially as well. Um, See, look, he looks great in this kind of like mm-hmm. mid-century cop get-up. It's a great mm-hmm. look for this actor. Dark suit. Yeah. And ominous, overly charismatic authority. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I, you mentioned night, the Nighthawk look, the, the, mm-hmm. the aesthetic, the, the 50s diner aesthetic. Um. I love that shot, that, that pass shot is just these quintessential pops. It, it reminded me of uh, that we're, we're usually so rooted in the 50s vintage. Um, looking at this again as, as pure 50s Archie. Mm-hmm. Like, it, Poppy is the original vintage of these characters in many ways. A little later, actually. Mm-hmm. Approximately the same age as these characters developed in the 40s. Yeah. Oh, there's our first siren of the evening. It's a quiet one. Really. Yeah, it sort of sounds like it just wants to get through the intersection. Oh, there it goes. 3.5. Um, Writing them now. It is interesting that um, this character, this Blossom character, doesn't seem to have had a ton of introduction to um, witchcraft. And the mm. introduction comes from Thomasina Topaz. I liked that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, um, yes, hugely. I I wonder if there's other histories of Thornhill that are meant to be seeded, but treating this as an origin of this witchcraft, this coven, this line. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, this was creepy. Wow, serial killer portraits. Um, yeah. I mean, this was actually a thing that I think used to happen, like death portraits. Yes, yes. But this is, like, the creepy version. Yeah, when you kill people just to take their death portrait, as it were. Yeah. And then... Or that uh, gets used oh. to very grim effect in 
the devil all the time. I just remember that. Doesn't mm. matter. Um, Death portraits. Uh, yeah. What? A, this is a fantastic bit of play for uh, the actor who plays Fangs. Yeah, totally. Um, he's such a good, um, threatening, violent, messed up man from a hundred years ago. I want to say like streetcar named Desire. Violence of masculinity. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I am. Um, it was interesting. I love that this episode centered all the women so completely. Completely, yes. And also, the male actors got really fun stuff to do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. also noticing them more because the women are front and center. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. They really. They. Uh, the whole cast really engaged with the. Um, the dynamics of this script and this story and as you said really really focused it beautifully on the women yeah of each age um you have to fetch one in town he's like lol so i wonder if abigail still burnt at the stake in this world well what was the name of the other of the other blossom uh, lady that burnt at the stake abigail so there's more than one? Or she got fake burnt at the stake. The whole, oh, witches can can vanish oh, from being burnt at stake kind so of an approach. Is... Given that she can transfer soul magic, I wouldn't be surprised if with a little prep she could go poof. Um, which... Oh, why doesn't this Abigail have any knowledge of witchcraft? I mean, she might. She seems to stick with the kitchen witchery. Um, true. Yeah, just because she doesn't curse... The government doesn't mean she um, doesn't know how to. And maybe she cursed this man's entire system and the fall of... No, that curse could really be more effective. <laughs> um, yeah, really you know, good smarmy She probably Kevin. doesn't use contraceptives unless she's bisexual, but we're presented with a lesbian version of poppy seed. Mm-hmm. Like, the best contraceptive is... Uh, not having sex with someone who can have, <laughs> who can impregnate you. Avoid sperm. Yeah. Um, Although, of mm-hmm. course, that's a very cis-normative view of um, sexuality that I just expressed there. The lesbian, she could, um, she could be partnered with a woman who could impregnate her. Yeah. Number of a uh, number of early famous trans uh, figures and historical figures from from that exact era. Mm. Some. I think some of the first um, examples of, of the identity we contemporarily define as trans, mm-hmm. like it's it starts to blur into different meaning and self-identification if we go much further back in language. Yeah. It's true. Stonewall wasn't too far away when this is supposed to be taking place. Oh, yeah. 57, 67. Well, about mm. a decade. I mean, a lot can happen in a decade, but... So, mm, so this this would have been like Daughters Blaise era gay rights, mm-hmm. um, a very assimilationist era, mm-hmm. which which aligns with the McCarthyism, the smacking down of any uh, aberration with the witch hunt threats of communism. Yeah. Also, is around the time One Nation Under God was <laughs> added to the Pledge of Allegiance to the Flag, which used to just be One Nation Indivisible. Funny that. And it ruined the meter. <laughs> No respect for poetry and nationalism. No respect for poetry and nationalism. Oof. I mean, it's nationalistic with or without God in it. 
It's just a different flavor. Yeah, theology is all about the meter. At least historically. That's true. Theology usually has a pretty good handle on poetry mm-hmm. and meter. We're getting sloppy well, in our old age, Western Christendom. Truly. Truly repressed spinster. Mm. Oh, such such sweet emotions and acting. Like, I, I, I love getting to just see these two characters in a completely different show for an episode. Even more mm, than usual. Mm-hmm. Totally. Even so much more. A little of the episode where they played their parents. Yeah. 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 Very much. That was so fun. Yeah. Oh, I love that episode. Now we're briefly in, um, yeah, Brita, the Brita commentary edition um, was a fun grounding to the telling of the story as well. Um, we definitely called that he was going to, he was lying here. Yeah. And deceiving with the, you won't go back to the cell if you... Birth my child. Yeah. Also good of him to believe his wife when she insists that there's only one person who can help her. And not, like, drug her and force Dr. Curdle to deal with it. It's a bad era in healthcare. It's a particular type of bad era. I'm sorry to say that when it comes to birth... Actually, there's been some improvements, but it can still be hazardous. (laughs) Along the lines that you mentioned. This is a beautiful little wedding montage. Yeah. Um, love these tight shots and these very um, pointed decor moments yeah. as her girls um, help her dress. Um, absent except in a Greek chorus watching way is anyone, any of these girls but Britta. I'm sure there's an entire separate, like, boarding school magic realism hijinks that these 14 year old girls are living now that just doesn't fit this episode Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's something about this like gothic red wedding dress look i personally would never want to wear it but boy does it look good oh chef's kiss i love that this is what she just had ready yeah well getting married in white is actually a pretty recent Mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Christian, contemporary yeah. American Christian purity. Yeah, well, I I think it actually started with Queen Victoria. Oh. Um, I think she got married in white and it became a fad. Yeah, that tracks. But I, I could be wrong about that. I really am not a fashion historian at all. That kind of sounds like how most, most traditions sort of happen. The Kim Kardashian model. Yeah. I do want to know... I know it was the 50s, but, like, where are the doctors and the nurses? <laughs> like, where are they? <laughs> On a smoke break. Yeah, In the hallway. <laughs> I'm going to ignore that, like, all of the other places she potentially could have killed him, presumably before the wedding or something. Like, I'm assuming she had no other opportunity until the wedding night, which tracks by yeah. certain gender restrictions. I and rules and social laws of that period. I was general. disappointed they killed Thomasina. Yeah. That was not make, great. Making it a witch happy ending by letting them both be pseudo-immortal? I'll take it. Yeah, but it, I don't know. I just felt like as soon as the as soon as the death portraits came out mm. of the trunk, I was like, oh, I really hope they don't kill Tony's character. <laughs> 1957. We were trying to figure out if that was Alice, but she's too, um, that would make her 
Yeah, that's that, yeah, probably she's, be a generation. She's too young, yeah. Also, I don't know if Bitsy is a Cooper or... That's true. Alice. What was Alice's maiden name? It's been so many seasons. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Alice... It's gone. I don't remember. It's gone. We do hear it. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. Yeah. Smith. Smith. Is she Bitsy Smith? I don't know. Who knows? Um... This is just a lovely, ominous sequence here. This vignette, almost, of the murder that we get. Yeah. Was it, I, I always thought Lizzie Borden was a British figure. No, it's a North American situation. Great, brutal murder. Great, 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 brutal murder of this awful man and his underthings. Yeah. Great blood spatter. I saw a funny behind-the-scenes video of uh, their first AD practicing the blood spatter (laughs) um, prop before it was used on meddling pitch. Yeah, it makes it, like, they build it into this fabulous makeup mask as she's cursed. Yeah, this is an ominous dark moment. Yeah, I didn't... The show had gotten so good about not fridging women. (laughs) You know? I'm... I'm banking on the witches never die. Yes, that's true. I'm banking on that. Um, oh, such fabulous face makeup with the blood splatter. Yeah. Yeah, him too. Yeah, they're dressed so horrifically. Um, I have to say, heck of a comet. Heck of a comet. One at birth, one at death. I see what they did there, and then of course mm-hmm. it comes again when there's like kind of a birth death happening. Transference. Ugh. Mm-hmm. I see what you did there, Riverdale. They I each like that. Use well the power in synchronized ways. Even the warlock is up in it. Yeah. The blood eyebrows. The blood eyebrows are amazing. Oh, I didn't take them in. That's funny. Oh, yeah. Those are good blood eyebrows. <laughs> Die cursed. <sighs> Sorry for the yawn, Riverdale gang. Cats. Uh, This is such a tragic little scene with her crying into Thomasina's hands. Yes. It's funny, the 50s. I asked my grandfather about, because my grandmother's passed Mm -hmm. away, I asked my grandfather about my dad's birth Mm -hmm. and my uncle's birth, and he said, well, I wouldn't have had breakfast during both of them because I wasn't going in. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. It was so normal, of course. (laughs) Yep, you just split up. Hmm. Yeah. And she spent the rest of her days haunting the halls of Thornhill. Mm-hmm. As she was already cursed to do. Yeah. Forget you, government man. You will no power here. Yes. The ancient warlock of the well, comet. I'm back. <laughs> uh, well, enough, her husband died. They're definitely so satisfying. house beat. here, I think. Mm. It certainly looks like. Yeah. Certainly could be easily. Because that's the fireplace. Mmm. With the mantle and all. Hmm. Great costumes on them too. I like this uh this high is that an A-line or a pencil skirt? I can't quite tell, but it's got pockets, which they were still doing in the fifties. Brilliant, because they're the pockets are the best invention humans ever had. Pockets are great. Up there with fire. Pockets and fire. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Love pockets and fire. Season of the witch. Um, welcome, Sabrina. Oh, yeah, this was fun. This little fun cameo. We love it. I wonder if this will be it. 
oh, if she's in yeah. the next episode or not. That's, I, that's I what the I want. I impression she was sticking around. Likewise. I, Still. The, them as old friends is just a delight. This alternate universe Sabrina, who's obvi- who's apparently come back to life, this like post-canon Sabrina I, I kind of take, mm-hmm. um, who did feel very different to me in character than, than her Chilling Adventures character. Yeah, she was, I mean... Sabrina's rarely, at least in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, she's rarely the character who has all the omnipotent knowing. Yeah. And in this episode, she's the one who, like, knows the spell, knows what to do. I'll take this one. I'll explain it. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know. She's the ringer witch. Yeah. Mm. That's the neat. No, you're right. Um, And she's so bright and, and in charge, and we're used to a 16-year-old girl figuring out magic from scratch. Well, also being Satan's daughter. Mm-hmm. Weird times. Chilling yeah. adventures. I also love that there's already backstory that Cheryl and Sabrina just know each other. Yep, yep. I mean, you know, if there was a witch trap down the street and you were trying to know with the local covens, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I can see this Cheryl teaching guest classes at the Dark Academy of Dark Things ah. with the dark people yes. and the warlocks. Probably herbology. Apparently she can, she can grow estrogen in, a, in ginger. Yeah. What a great skill. Nice closing beat with um, the synergy and, and beautiful presentation of Witch Nana Rose. Yeah. Just, just the penultimate beat of that iconography. Well, I wonder if the hmm. writer on this one was a Sabrina writer. Mm, I wonder if, if that's why this tone... Why the tone fits so well with uh, hmm. Sabrina. I mean, there's so much team overlap. Like, if we're looking at the I'm showrunners, sure yeah. yeah. I'd well, be shocked runner. if not. Yeah. I think. Ah, uh, gasp. And Cheryl Blossom is... Now we're Zen. Yeah. Ro- Rosie Blossom. Or Rosie... Rosemary? Cherry Rosie? Rosie Cherry. I don't know. Three. I give up. At long last. Ooh. Gotta say, I love some framing of death is freedom. Yeah. Even when it's after a long, long, long curse. Um, lovely palliative care representations. Even if it, even if Cheryl was secretly the one receiving palliative care the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Which is wild. Neat little lithograph face ghost. Mm. Loved it. Yeah. Goodbye, Cheryl. Or one, one of the many faces of Cheryl. Yeah. Happy, happy sad endings are the best. Mm. Giving, giving Sabrina that line was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'll take this Reminds one. Reminds me, I can't remember what happens at the end of Sabrina. She's dead. Right. And her boyfriend joins her. And they're in heaven for a while. But apparently witches don't die. Also, oh, yeah. they ignore the fact that their family has a, uh, a, an e- eternal revival great plot like they touch on it through several seasons but i don't know oh yeah they kill hilda so much they do <laughs> oh my god that that shtick i forgot so funny <sighs> then fogarty so fangs fangs is of warlock blood Which... baby anthony comes by magic in all threads yeah i mean that tracks i guess mm-hmm I feel like the serpents and the witches mm-hmm. have some things in common. 
Uh, and the wrap-up montage I, of flashbacks. Yeah, I like story. that Britta is the person who gets to hear all these stories. Yeah, yeah. She receives the stories. The young woman here receiving an education. Uh, and clearly being groomed into new witch. Mm-hmm. Like... By running head head first into the ability to become new witch, I think, Roseanne Blossom. Yes, yeah. I Roseanne Blossom, and Cheryl Poppy Abigail. That's a name. Cheryl Poppy Abigail. Mm-hmm. No. There we go. There's no death for witches. Only transformation. Crappy transformation for Tomathea over the last hundred years, but. Thomasina. Thomasina, thank you. Thomasina. What was that from? Oh, that cat movie from the 40s. <laughs> cool. 50s? I don't remember. Night Call playing. Okay, Romantic Frolic in the Graveyard of the Two Witches. Cute. That Fabulous. Was cute. Loved this. Um, is this the Blossom Family Graveyard, you think? I don't know. This is. This must be the transition point from the, from this life to the next, because mm. they're looking at their graves and then they scoot off frame. Yeah. I think this is a set, and it yeah. reminds me a lot of the Buffy graveyard. <laughs> I don't think it's the same one, no. but it reminds me a lot of the Buffy graveyard. The very contained, well, tight like built. The graveyard stone. in Hocus Pocus. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's very Eastern. Uh, East North America, like 300 year old, years old, kind of a, yeah, happy, happy, sad endings are the best, enough said. That was such a nice, contained, satisfying episode. Yeah. And if everything, if nothing from the last four weeks made any sense to me or resolved whatsoever, I'd be satisfied if this is what we got. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Also, if that had been the only episode we got in the sixth season, that would have been fine too, I think. I would have accepted this as standalone. Um, I would have been confused where we would stand with Cheryl Blossom if we weren't already in the tri- Twilight Zone. I would have more worries about where we stand with Cheryl Blossom. In That's true. Real world question mark? But who knows if we'll ever get back to Riverdale. Yeah, it's interesting. I saw a behind the scenes video that somebody posted of mm-hmm. the season that's shooting now. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the Archie character, the Betty character, and the Veronica character look really 50s again. Mm. So I don't know what's happening. You know, they've got so many wonderful tricks to put them, period. I will take I will take that. I, I, I will count on nothing. We saw Cheryl burning at the stake. That's true, we did. They played it. I'll take... Anyway, I'm excited for next week now. This, um, for our big, our, uh, uh, winter hiatus jump off. Yeah, and um, it will be the 100th episode of yeah. the show as well, which will be quite fun. That's quite a, a landmark. That's, I mean, we've done more than 100 episodes now, but that means we've also commentated on 100 episodes of Riverdale, or, what, 4,000 minutes of her life? Which means we've seen every episode twice? possibly more than twice now, because <laughs> we, like, in my case, I watched the first season... Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you were like, hey, you saw the first season of Riverdale, right? And I was like, yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Then we did season two. And then, and then, well, then, then we, we also, did season well, one. Well, like, we rewatched and then rewatched all the seasons. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like some of these episodes, and there were some episodes that I just willingly watched on my own because I was stoked on them. 
How many hours have you invested of your life into Riverdale, gang? Do the math. It'll hurt. But you're you're with us. <laughs> till Whatever. next till next week, gang. Till next week, gang. Ta-da. Ta-da.